welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the inimitable Matt. Hello there. So, Matt, how are you doing this week? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. All ready to sit down for the Zygon invasion? Yes, yeah. Um, we, we will talk at great length, no doubt, about that in due course. But uh, I'll save my thoughts on that until then. I'm just going to have a quick uh, cheeky puff on the old inhaler. Hang on a second. He's oh, gone full Osgood. Are you being chased by a Zygon through your house? <sighs> Fortunately not. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've, I've been outside, Matt, in oh, wow. uh, the not particularly warm weather and... Uh, That'll do it for me on occasion. Yeah. Um, I think the furthest I've been outside is maybe the 20 foot between my house and my car. <laughs> uh, at the moment, it's like every, pretty much every morning, like Saturday and Sunday, it, we, we, we've got to take little absorbal off uh, out somewhere or we all just drive each other completely mad. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not out of the house by sort of half nine, that's just, you know, days in the bin, basically. <laughs> So, yeah, um, have you been this morning anywhere nice? Oh, uh, we went for a little little wander along the Codbeck, had a little play at the park there. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we popped in on on my dear old mum. Obviously, lockdown restrictions being what they are, technically we broke the law by spending all but the it's ten Mother's minutes. Day. Stand- I know it's ridiculous, but it's. Uh, but yeah, so we gave her a card. We had a little chat in the garden. Um, wished we could have uh, stayed a bit longer, but you know, is what it is, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so it was nice to see her. Um, mm-hmm. You you see your mum? Yeah, went and dropped a card around. Sort of broke the lockdown law. Went yeah. in, had some scrambled eggs. Oh ho ho! You devil, you. Yeah. yeah. So a I mean, I guess for what's for breakfast today? <laughs> well, seeing as we're already on the subject, then you, so that's yeah, uh, you know, that's your breakfast more 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 or less covered. Was there anything in addition to the scrambled eggs? A little bit of scrambled egg and spinach on some white toast. Cup of oh, tea. very nice, lovely stuff. Yeah, my Weirdly, my my mum my mum made the scrambled eggs in a wok. <laughs> I mean, I guess it'll get the job done. Yeah. I mean, I know she was cooking for three. She made some for me, herself and my dad. But was the wok necessary? Mm. I mean, really, if anyone was uh, should have been cooking the scrambled eggs, it shouldn't have been your mum on Mother's uh, Day. No, she wouldn't right. let me. She's a proper mother hen. <laughs> yeah, my mum's a bit the same, to be honest. Um, obviously... Um, I, I was on uh, Mother's Day breakfast duties in this house um, and I had very grand plans which didn't quite come to fruition. Um, the aim was to do a really nice vegetarian eggs benedict. Um, but living where we do, incredibly remotely, I'm not within walking distance of a shop and we had insufficient butter for me to make a hollandaise sauce. So do you just go for eggs on toast? It was basic. Well, we had I had the muffins. I had the um, got some like vegan bacon. 
to as a stand-in for the ham. And uh, I'd gotten really posh eggs. Like, I, I basically just looked at all, all the free-range eggs and was like, okay, what is the most I can spend on half a dozen eggs? And it, it was Burford Browns. How much? For half a dozen, uh, £3.50, I'm going to estimate. Uh, no, it wasn't quite that. It, you know, it was £2.90. But that's still quite a lot to spend on six eggs. So, you, you know, last week we had the little food controversy where my wife ate my fajitas. Yeah. Well, I've got two controversial food stories this week. Oh, go for it. This morning, my wife sort of accosted me and said... She basically confronted me about how many croissants I'm eating these days. <laughs> she was like, we seem to be going through a lot of croissants at the moment. And I, I, I'm just enjoying them. They're just something that I, I never used to take that much joy out of. But at the moment, I can't get enough of them. And what, are, are, you, are you tending to go for croissants from a can? Or are you getting uh, uh, pre-made? Well, yesterday, I bought four croissants from Booth's. Oh, what? And, and tell I had, me, had tell two me. Two as soon as I got home, and then I had one this morning for my breakfast. And I'll say it: I begrudge my wife for having the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious how you know how does a booth's croissant stack up with uh, with the competition? Yeah, well, they were just they were just plain croissants. Yeah, but but they were good. There, there was notable quality. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what you're looking for with a with a Booth's purchase, isn't it? You just want you don't necessarily want it to be rewriting the rule book. You just want just it to, want be, it to at be at a, at, a, at an executive level. And then my other food story this week, I, I, I'm back at work. The schools are open again. Yeah. And on my drive home, I think it was about Wednesday. I was starving. Yeah. And when I got in, I noticed my wife had made. A lovely bit of bolognese mince in the slow cooker. Yeah. So, without hesitation, cooked a full pan of pasta. Well, uh-huh. not a full pan, but a full portion. Uh, put the mince on the top, then put a lovely bit of white like lasagna sauce on the top. Ooh. Put some cheese on it, stuck it under the grill. You know, it was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then, excitedly, took my first bite. And it turned out my wife had made chili con carne, not bolognese. <laughs> so I had some sort of Frankenstein bastard of a meal where it was like half spaghetti bolognese, half chili con carne. And I, I'll say it, it was the worst of both. It doesn't work as a combination. Really? I've, had, yeah. I've, I've done it before, like intentionally, and it's been all right for me. But uh, You should yeah. be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> That's fusion cuisine, isn't it? I thought that's all the rage these days. Yeah, but it's some sort of weird island of Dr. Moreau, like fusion. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't know. It doesn't... shouldn't work, and it doesn't. It doesn't sound too bad for, to me, to be honest. It's just really, the only difference is, I mean, I guess the cheese makes it. But then again, you, you, you'd whack cheese on chilli sometimes, right? Mm. On a jacket potato, maybe, but mm. this was just the wrong carb. It just didn't yeah. work. Yeah. You're too, you're it would too be like about... putting bolognese on like chips. Just doesn't work. You could do that. You could totally put bolognese on chips. That sounds great. No, 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 no. 
Like, I know you can have dirty fries, but that's not just bolognese. Like, it could be, uh, though. I, uh, no, no. It's a hill I'm willing to die on, David. <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. So, uh, I think we so should throw that one out to the listeners. Sorry, go on. No, because it'll just be like when I talked about Big Toast. And they were all like, oh, no, you're such an idiot, Matt. Ugh. We don't need their opinion. <laughs> all right, um, then. Should we do Meal of the Week? Uh, yeah, go on, then. Um, okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want... I, I, you, I honestly you know, we've, don't we've, mind. We've, got, we've, we've had your, your meal low light. Let's have your meal highlight. Okay, so, again, like, this is the food issue I'm having with my wife because another food story ties into my meal of the week. Yeah. So yesterday when my wife went to work, she left some chicken breasts on the side. Mm-hmm. They were wrapped in tin foil from the freezer. And yeah. basically she said, Oh, we'll have those. They won't eat in. Can you make sure, you know, whatever we have for tea uses those. So sure. as the day went on, I was like, Oh, what am I going to do with this chicken? I'll tell you what, I'll take it out the tin foil so it defrosts a little bit. And when I did, opened it, it wasn't chicken at all. It was two pork steaks. <laughs> um, so I made a lovely sweet and sour pork with mm-hmm. rice. And then yeah. from Booth's, I got some Chinese ribs to go with it. Right. And you know, like that generic Chinese flavoring where it's like that bright red sauce. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't actually taste of anything from the Chinese takeaway. Yeah. So we had Chinese ribs with our sweet and sour pork and rice, and that is my meal of the week. It was lovely. Ah, very good. Um, what about yourself? So for me, uh, it's uh, for for context. I don't get to cook as often as I'd like at the moment, and. It's not like some kind of. It's not like some kind of um, uh, traditional uh, gender-based, uh, you know, division of labour in our household. Uh, you know, far from it. But just because I I do the sort of nine to five grind, and my and my partner's work is a lot more flexible. Um, she's usually at home in the afternoons when I'm still working. And little Absorbaloff needs his dinner by, you know, quarter past five, half five at the latest, or we're, you know, we're off schedule and he's too tired to eat. Um, so she tends to do most of the cooking during the week. But last night I, uh, I took the reins and with no prior sort of planning or preparation and uh, had to make do with, with what we had to hand. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to pub it up. And so I did bangers and mash, bit of sautéed cabbage, bit of cauliflower, and I'll be honest, all of my love and care and attention really went into the mash. Bit of cream cheese in there, freshly ground pepper. You know, that mash was a thing of beauty, Matt. Oh, lovely. And uh, I won't beat around the bush. Because of the amount of joy I took, not only in eating it, but also preparing it. He's going to say it. Go on, say it. It beats week one curry. Yes! Get out. Get out, curry. Oh, 
Oh, I feel like I've just scored at Wembley. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, technically, I think for most people, they probably would have a better time with the curry than they would with, with that plate of food I served up last night. But I, what can I say? It just it just hit hit the right spot for me. And the, the added I'm layer so, of... I'm so pleased. Of, uh, so just, proud of you, David. We've yeah. done it. Yeah. Well, there you go, listeners. It was wow. never going to last forever. It, I mean, you got you got you got to hand it to Week One Curry. It had a good run. Yeah. It had a really good but run. It, it's tyrannical reign is over. <laughs> now who knows how well, long the, I, the sausage I, and mash will last? I'm going to put a little teaser for next week because usually when I go to booths on a Saturday morning and do the shop, yeah, I get like a little snack for my lunch. So. Booths normally means big dinner, so I'll do a little snack for lunch. And it's mm-hmm. usually, you know, a sausage roll or something. But yesterday, I went to their deli counter, and I got a chicken and ham pie. Do you want to have a guess how much it cost me, David? Okay. What what sort of... I mean, give me an approximate uh, diameter of the pie. Right. I, I want you to touch your two thumbs together... And your two index fingers to make a circle, and that'll okay. be about the right size. Okay, so we're talking a, a, equivalent to like a, a generously proportioned pork pie, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like it, like an individual serving pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's chicken and ham. Chicken and ham. In like a sort of creamy sauce, kind of. I never really had chicken what? and ham pie there, there wasn't up. a great deal of, like, sauce in it. It was so packed with chicken and ham. Right, okay. So it was more... I believe it was made by the Northern Pie Company, but I would mm. have to check my facts on that. Mm. And just so I can really visualise it, what's that pastry like? Are we talking... Is it like a puff uh, pastry? Is it a short crust? Short crust, short yeah. crust. I, I don't any know like, if you're familiar like with a scotch of... pie, but it's similar to that. Okay, so no, no sort of like fancy seeds or anything on top? or No, maybe a bit of pepper yeah. on the top, but nothing okay. too fancy. From Booth's? Yep. £3.50? £4. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't far off? Wasn't far off? No. So the tease is, next week, because it was so good, I just got it as a snack. But next week, that's going to be probably my main meal on the Saturday. <laughs> for me and the wife. Yeah, fair dues. But yeah, totally, totally enamoured by that pie I was. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I'm starting to feel like booths need to start paying us at this rate. Oh, I, cannot at the wait. Very least. I cannot wait for lockdown to get lifted. So yeah. before I do my shop at booths, I can go to booths cafe. I could spend a whole morning in there. <laughs> oh goodness me! You need to get yourself like some sort of like Lord of the Manor tweeds and stuff. Really yeah. go all in on the on the Booth's clientele uh, style. It's just so good. Yeah, I spent like twenty minutes yesterday trying to work out which Parmesan I wanted. There's more than one Parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in my head, there's just Parmesan. Yeah. But they had it all. They had it all. Amazing. Right, well then, uh, that being said, shall we uh, crack on with Would I Lie to Who? 
We we will. Uh, just before we do, can I just check? Have you listened to Turning Japanese by the Vapors this week? You know what? I completely forgot. I know you you sent me a couple of links to things uh, over the week, yeah. and I've just I just haven't really. I've not really been engaging with anyone or anything all week. No, that's fine. That's fine. So, it's just you know yeah. when I don't listen to what you send me. Get called a coward and screamed at. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it, pal. Right. Would I lie to who? Yeah. So, so a new little game. So three statements, one of which is true. David's got to try and find out which one it is for this week. Snuffle it out like a pig. Yep. So this week. All three statements relate to my return to work, David. Okay. Okay. There is a, there is a Doctor Who theme. Okay. All right. But this is all linked to me returning to work after three months this week. Okay. Cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. So, statement number one. This week, while singing the Doctor Who theme tune in my classroom... A student called me a fucking nerd, so I excluded them for two weeks from school. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Statement number two. Because I hadn't been at work for some time, I thought I'd treat myself, and I purchased a Doctor Who teapot for the office. Ooh. It's a TARDIS teapot. Now, the problem is, David, pretty much on the first brewing... I dropped and smashed that teapot when I thought I was visited by the ghost of Sir Terry Wogan. <laughs> okay, that's going to take some unpacking. We'll, we'll circle back around to that one, Matt. Okay, and statement number three. This week, I've decided I would wear my Doctor Who tie to work. When my work enemy said, nice tie, in a meeting, I threw it on the ground, declared I refused to be bullied, and left the meeting. <laughs> okay. Um, right. So, first one. Mm-hmm. You excluded the child for two weeks. Yep, for swearing at a member of staff. I feel like, I mean, I don't know, every school's discipline policy is different. I feel like that's quite a harsh response to. Uh, unless it was part, was this part of a pattern of already disruptive behaviour? It is. It's a repeat offender. I, I okay. won't name names. Okay. Yeah. But there's been an escalation in behaviour across mm. the first week back. Basically, hasn't coped that well. I think it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's I, not. I even... think a lot of his behaviour this week was written off due to the fact he hadn't been in school for three months. Yeah, but it reached a certain point where it was just like, you know what, this isn't sustainable. Too much of a disruptive element to the other kids who are also presumably having a difficult time readjusting. So, okay. It's been nothing short of a nightmare this week. Mm, That does not surprise me. Um, Okay. The second one was the Doctor Who teapot. Now, you say it's TARDIS, so is it actually just the shape of a a regular TARDIS but with added... Spout and handle. Yeah, so imagine the TARDIS, but somewhat stouter. So okay, because I was going to say because as... it's 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 quite quite an impractical size for uh, 
for a teapot shape even yeah yeah so not as slender and tall somewhat squashed a a squashed TARDIS teapot and and you rather than it's all it's more cubic rather than a cuboid okay okay and uh you thought you saw the ghost of Terry Wogan and you dropped it uh, well, th- there's a bit of embellishment there. I was mimicking a reaction to being visited by the ghost of Sir Terry Wogan. Okay. And unfortunately had the teapot in hand. Whilst you were doing it wound that. up on yeah. the floor. Okay, was it full at the time? Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, okay. If For context, I, it was a two tea bag sized teapot. It wasn't a full-sized family one right so were you just brewing up for yourself like presumably if you were mimicking it's because you were you were trying to entertain a colleague or something yeah yeah yeah. so it was prior to a departmental meeting where basically just make a full pot of tea if anyone wants one i'll get first pour um okay so um yeah so so i mean i think i just need a little more context why specifically were you that's that was the scene that you were pantomiming. Is there? Is it an in joke? Uh, well, we, we were discussing. You know? We were discussing ghosts in general, right? And then the topic turned to you know, if you were befriending a recently deceased celebrity ghost, who would you go for? Yeah, and I, I said, I, I wouldn't mind Terry Wogan, but the problem is every time. The apparition of Wogan appeared. If he greeted me in his Radio Two deep, like "Hello," <laughs> I, I'd jump out my, you know, jump out my skin. Yeah. You know what I was trying to say is that I don't think the ghost of Terry Wogan could be subtle. It would yeah. probably end up being more scary than friendly. I understand. Okay, I feel like we've got we've covered that one sufficiently now. So the last one is uh, Doctor Who tie. You're wearing it yep. to work. Is this first day back? Uh, so I was back in school on Monday, but there was no teaching. So this was Tuesday. Tuesday. So, so you you thought I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my Doctor Who tie. Yeah, to just school. like something yeah. to build me up for the first week back. Okay. Um, what's what? Talk me through then the 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 Doctor Who tie. What's what kind of motif are we working with? So it's. Kind of racing green in colour. Uh-huh. And it has a small, like, repeat pattern of the TARDIS on the tie. Okay. And you purchased this when? Um, it was a gift. From? Uh, a work colleague. It was kind of like a secret Santa. You uh-huh. know, that... That classic thing where people have probably heard me talking about Doctor Who and they thought, oh, I yeah. must like Doctor Who. Yeah. So uh, where, you know. where are your colleagues at then in terms of, do, do they know that the podcast exists? Uh, they... So my my head of faculty is a Doctor Who fan. He's yeah. listened once or twice. Yeah. Um, I think the majority of my department are aware that this is one of my hobbies, but but they're not, not necessarily aware of the fact that that they're, they're not necessarily aware of the fact that whilst you you do a weekly podcast about Doctor Who you are not in fact a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, yeah. 
they I don't mean, they we, don't ask. Yeah. I mean we know this isn't inconceivable because you have previously received a canine model kit from someone who assumed Yeah, that, that was because from you my, do... my wife's maid of honour. Yeah. So it's not inconceivable, but you know, I would say a work colleague should maybe know you a, a little better than that. <sighs> this is you know what, Matt, this is the toughest one so far. Um, it's not this... as tough as last week, where you were like, oh, my egg cup's got a, an ood on it. <laughs> no, it's a Dalek. I, I, I was furious about last week. <laughs> I won't lie. It wasn't a lie. Yeah, it was just the like... Best, the best lies have a kernel of truth in them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't think that was in the spirit of the game, if I'm honest. Oh, it definitely was. Because you, no, you've got to think there, is an ood... A a big enough monster that they that they would go with that on an egg. Yeah, cup, but that, you know that, that's like saying, "Oh, David, do I have four cups on my desk currently?" No, I've got five. It's too. You need to. <laughs> no, you need to make no, it no. A bold is, lie. That is a that is a mischaracterization. Okay, right. So I'm I'm ex- I'm, I'm ruling out the exclusion. Okay. Straight up, I think that's... I mean, if it does turn out to be truth, then I think your school has a very harsh policy when it comes to discipline. But like I say, every school is different. We'll maybe have that discussion in a minute. Um, the teapot. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Okay, there are too many details. I think there are too many details in that lie. I'm saying it's the tie. You think it's, it's the tie? Just because uh, the way you described it, that is exactly the level of tomfoolery I would expect from you in a work uh, setting, Matt. What, that someone would say, Matt, I like your tie. Yeah, I and you do a pre- take it off, you do a throw it on the strap. ground. Yeah, and for say my work enemy. Right, well, I... I'm going to send you, okay, the truth. Okay, I'm ready for this. coming through now. Okay. Got the message. <laughs> it's the tie, listeners. It's the tie. Yeah. So this week I wore a beautiful racing green tie with yep. a little repeating TARDIS on it. That's a lovely tie, Matt. That is a lovely tie. Yeah, it's, it's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um,. So that's 3 nil to me so far, I believe. It is, currently. Now, I'm going to send you another picture. Okay. okay. And I just want you to tell me what your eyes are immediately drawn to in this picture. Okay, don't say what the picture's of. <laughs> just tell me where your eyes are drawn. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the first thing that I was drawn to was just the expression on, on mm-hmm. the gentleman's face. Um, I'll be honest, but uh, yeah, I can see what you're referring to, Matt. Um, what what? It's it's a picture of Terry Wogan doing doing what I believe is commonly known as the man spread. Hmm. What? Yeah, wide open. Wide open. That, that's why I wouldn't want to be haunted by Sir Terry. <laughs> yeah, nothing left to the imagination there. Yeah. Right, right um, so 3-0. So you get to pick the statements for next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Right. Looking forward yeah. to it. Don't don't be a shit house and be like, uh, you know, 
1972, blah, blah, blah. They have to be big, bold lies, David. All right. I'll go for it. I'll go okay. for it. Right. Um, let me see what else have I got written down. Uh, I was going to talk about turning Japanese, but David doesn't want to do that. Um, so, should we talk about the Zygon invasion? Oh, is it time already? Wow. Uh, okay, and, let's do it. I mean, have you got have you got any television highlights of the week? That seems to be a new new feature that's <laughs> we, we come don't out need of to, nowhere. We don't need to solidify that as a feature. I was just really enjoying ghosts and I wanted to tell people about it. Um, what have we okay. watching this week? I've mostly been watching uh, a Netflix documentary, uh, Murder Among the Mormons. Oh, my wife's been watching that. I watched a little yeah. bit of it. It's all right. I think I really like honest, the creepy guy that looks like Winston Churchill that has a high voice and he's yeah. like did I do the murders well yeah. <laughs> I like him he's my There's, favorite there there are some characters in it for sure there are some characters I do think it's probably a little bit stretched out I think you could have done it in two hours I don't think it needed to be three episodes um but have you yeah. finished one division yet I have not I have one episode left and I am dodging spoilers like mad. To be honest, it's part of the reason why I haven't really been on my phone very much and responding to people because I am so terrified of of bumping into one division spoilers. Um, right, well, my my television highlight of the week. I can't remember whether I've mentioned this or not. Uh, is a YouTube channel called Camping with Steve. I don't know whether you have uh, it. Is that the one where it's just like someone doing like just a basic just like bushcraft? Yeah, he does what's called stealth camping. So uh, I watched one this week where he slept in a storm drain under a freeway. Ooh. And he just, like, finds random places and he's like, right, this is where I'm sleeping tonight. That sounds cold. Yeah, it's so good. The only <laughs> thing is, he's, he's Canadian, so he's got a really weird voice that makes him sound like a cold killer. <laughs> Well, there's there's a recommendation for you, listeners. Um, so yeah, yeah come on. I'm itching. I'm itching to talk about it then. Zygon invasion. Yep. Uh, you want to uh, run down the detail, listener, details? Should we have some listener ideas before we start? Yeah, can do. Right. So the Zygon invasion. So the first message we got came from James Courtney. Do you want to say hello to James, David? Hello, James. Wow. You've gone back to your old ways. <laughs> has, has James upset you in some way? No, no, that was me saying hello to James. Uh, Those were the words well, that I said. I might have upset James this week because I noticed he sent a really, really long message to Married to Who about uh-huh. the episode they were watching. So I just jumped on the end and sent a message to Jake just going, look, I'll be honest, I haven't watched this episode. It's miles in the future. Can you just take whatever James has said but attribute that to me instead? (laughs) Uh, So there might be a nice shout-out to me coming in a few weeks. Oh, that would be good. So James says, he starts with, Osgood, always a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you, you would disagree with that. I think Leandro is a better character than Osgood. (laughs) <laughs> Fuck off. Excuse me. I hope you didn't kiss your mother this morning with that potty mouth, David. <laughs> I didn't because of the COVID restrictions. Yeah. I'm upset by that. 
So he says, this is quite an enjoyable globe-trotting adventure of the kind I don't think Doctor Who has done since the Enemy of the World in the 60s. Mm. Plus, it's a sequel to the best episode of Who up until that point. I didn't know it was an, a sequel to Blink. <laughs> he says, it's not perfect though. The term Messistan stuff doesn't entirely work. He says it's maybe lost in the direction. And he says, it's important to note that almost all the main speaking parts are women which I suppose has some additional resonance at the moment. Okay. And then he says, it's hard to review until next week's episode, though. I think that it is a more episode, uh, sorry, a more interesting episode for good and ill. Mm. Any thoughts, David? Um, I think I broadly agree with that. I find myself often broadly agreeing with James. Um, yeah. I think what some of the thing, things he raises we'll, we'll hit on in more detail as we as we talk through the episode. Okay. So, David, the next statement comes from Marty McLean. Do you want to say hello to Marty? Hello, Marty. I, 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 do we have to do this every week now, Matt, with everyone Look, that tweets at us? Yes. Yes, we do. Because we okay. appreciate our listeners, David. Yeah. All right. Okay. I can't believe you've been like this. And on Mother's Day of all days. (laughs) So, Marty says, this one's a ripper. Jenna Coleman is especially brilliant. The Zygons are no longer rubber suits, but disgusting and creepy. Mm -hmm. I do think Unit are made to look stupid and incompetent, which is a shame. Overall, a great commentary on radicalisation and mistrust. Yep. Okay, so maybe Marty's upset you. I'll maybe just send him a message. No, no, I just... Things, I don't. I, before this episode. What, uh, what The thing is, it, it's it's hard for me to, to say too much off the back of these, purely because we're touching on a lot of the stuff that I want to talk about in more detail later, but I want to kind of do it in order, not like higgledy-piggledy. I, want to, I don't want to like end up with nothing to say when we actually get into the episode. Right. Okay, so the next message is from Frank. Do you want to say hello to Frank, David? Hi, Frank! That's better. Good. I like the escalation. Yeah. Is that why you were being so glum with the others? (laughs) Or just just for the contrast? No, that's just just how I normally am. You made you made right, well, it. You've 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 uh, with Frank. You've like turned it into a performance thing. So that's separate for me now. Yeah, he did send a lovely video today. Yes, he did. Right. So with this one, I'm not sure whether he's talking about the episode or our podcast. He says I do enjoy it to an extent, but it does have some quite weird vibes. <laughs> it does fit with either, I guess. Yeah. And then the next comes from the Married to Who podcast. Do you want to say hello to those guys, David? Hello, Married to Who. That's all right. Well done. Okay. Okay. I'm up to the episodes of them now where they're talking about us. It's so exciting, David. Yeah, it's it's surreal, isn't it? Getting to that point. Yeah. They. So I'm assuming this is Jake says, great look and feel. Feels like a spy thriller TV movie. If I yeah. remember right, the Doctor is really goofy in the first half and it feels a little out of place. And then he says he was about to say something spoilery, but he'll wait until we're finished. Yeah. Anything more it, to add to that or just a, just a <coughs> yep? 
Yeah, pretty much just a gap. I mean, it is hard. It is hard to, when you're doing a two-part, especially one like this where it really is one continuous story. Like, it's easy to talk about Girl Who Died, Woman Who Lived as essentially separate episodes because it's just the only real connective tissue is the character of a shielder slash me. Whereas with this, you we really are talking about half a story this week. So I've got to be careful about what I say because I don't really want to... I don't want to be treading into what may happen in next week's. But uh, I still think there is will be plenty to talk about for this one. So, yeah. And then we did have some more messages, but that was to another tweet that I put out this morning. Okay. Uh, so... So then we got a message from Chris. Do you want to say hello to Chris, David? Hello, Chris. So Chris asks, how do you imagine Peter, the man that works at Unit, would have reacted to all this Saigon nonsense that's going on? Oh, that's... Uh, well, I'm trying to think. We're not really at the paperwork stage with it yet, are we? So uh, I, imagine, I imagine Peter's on, like, clear-up for this sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. I imagine he's sort of like locked himself in the cleaner's room and he's having an existentialist crisis. Like maybe take a Stanley knife to the end of his thumb to see if he like bleeds human blood. <laughs> a bit like, you know, you know in John Carpenter's The Thing. A bit like yeah. that. I imagine Peter's like rounded up like the cleaner and everyone like that. And you know, he's just checking. He's doing real biological tests to see who's wow. human. You went dark, Pat. You went dark. <laughs> That's what... I, that, immediately, when I was watching this, I was like, straight away, I'd be getting the Stanley Knives out. I mean, to be fair, it's a... Uh, it's a tense one this week, isn't it? Let's talk about it. Come on, let's do it. The Zygon Evasion, written by Peter yeah, so, Harness. So, sorry for everyone else that sent messages. David's moving us along. Never we mind. are. I am. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. People just want to say nice, kind things, but... <laughs> do you know what since 2021 you've become real you've changed new year new you uh, apparently so Flipping it. right so Zygon Invasion written by Peter Harness have we ever seen him before we have he wrote a little episode called Kill the Moon oh wow so this is only his second best story then and then this is directed by Daniel Netheim. Not a yeah. name I recognise. No, I don't know. He has done anything prior to this. But I, like I say, I pay less attention to directors generally than uh, writers. Um, so let's let's get stuck into it, Matt. Okay. So it is episode seven of season nine from the 31st of October 2015, The Zygon Invasion. So we open with a flashback to the 50th. Yeah. Always good to get a little bit of history. I was going to say, how how were you feeling with this uh, intro? Like, uh, I'll read the first line of my notes. Okay. Flashback to 50th. Shit, there's two Osgoods. <laughs> so, yeah. I forgot there's two Osgoods. Yep. More like, more like Osbad. Um... So, yeah, so one of the Osgoods got killed by Missy, and the other one's all right, apparently. Wow. All right physically, at least. 
Yeah. So, they mention Operation Double. So, this is where we're going to rehouse 20 million Zygons on Earth. Yeah. And in amongst this, we see Osgood mourn other Osgood. Yeah. And she talks about the Osgood box. So, the Doctor left something as a fail-safe in case the peace between Zygons and humans is broken. Mm. So, yeah got that sort of in in in, in the background in, in throughout this story mm-hmm. kind of just uh... so she's now on the run from the zygons she is yep. captured and brain zapped now a yes. little fact david i'm not sure if you knew this yeah were you aware of the fact that peter capaldi can play the guitar <laughs> you're getting sick of the guitar are you it's just coming up a lot, isn't it? It it is. It is this series. He's using Doctor Who as a bit of a vehicle to show off his guitar playing dream. Yeah. But as he, he's you playing, know, to be fair, he's okay. He's okay at the guitar. Yeah, he's not bad. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but you know, it's just every week at the moment, isn't it? It is. It is. I'll be honest. This is the first one where I'm a little bit like. Uh, we didn't. We didn't maybe need this. It's a bit of a retread. I'm pretty sure he's like literally last week. He he starts well, out, or maybe the week before. If if it was any of the other doctors, they'd just be in the TARDIS, like pressing buttons, flicking switches, you know, doing yeah. a little bit of research. But Capaldi's just always on his guitar. Yeah. Well, he's just trying to get his practice in, you know, when Clara's not about. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. But anyway, as he's playing the guitar, he receives a message from Osgood that says, Nightmare Scenario. Yeah. So, um, in the the setup, the sort of video about Operation Double with with the two Osgoods, they basically say that uh, if one of the Zygons starts to go rogue, or, you know, if they become exposed, that is the Nightmare Scenario. Mm Mm-hmm. So, from there, we then have the titles, and we see the TARDIS in a park in London. Yeah. Okay, and to go back to what Jake said about the Doctor being a little bit goofy this time round, he's trying to reach Clara on the phone, and he refers to himself as, like, Doctor Disco. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rank that up there with playing the guitar constantly. No, it's just like I, I like niggling. it. I like it because of the line that refers back to it later. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on it, but it's just when when Clara finally does sort of get back to him, uh, and uh, you know she's just heard the message, and but she's face to face in front of him. Uh, she just says, "Did you call yourself Doctor Disco just now?" Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I like it for that reason. So we then jump to a unit safe house where Kate Stewart is missing Osgood. Yep. You know, I think they... Ref- is this the first time that we hear the phrase that Osgood was the piece? The idea that we no- yeah. don't know which Osgood is which. Okay. Yes, they, they deliberately kept it secret because, as far as I said, it didn't matter. 
that's the whole point is that they they are just who they are um, yeah, both human and Zygon. A yeah. hybrid, if you will. Yeah, that does come up. That does come up. But yeah. uh, Okay, uh, so yeah. the, the Doctor in the park speaks to a pair of, like, seven-year-old girls. Classic creepy twins. Are, mm, because they're actually the Zygon leaders, like leaders of a Zygon faction. Yeah. Taken on human form. It's just the form they've taken on is two seven-year-olds. Yeah. Okay. So then Kate Stewart calls the and I do like I do like the way that's played because there's a moment there where you like, oh, has the doctor got it wrong? And is it, you know, a bit like in the 50th where he does the big oncoming storm speech to what turns out to be a rabbit? Like, well, yeah. is it going to be a yeah. repeat of that? But <laughs> then... Was it just going to be two kids that the doctor's shouting at in yeah, the park? Yeah, they just sort of go screaming for their mum. But, but then... I quite like that it's like, oh, yeah, no, they they really are the Zygon High Command masquerading as uh, seven-year-olds. So, yeah, I like that. So so when Kate Stewart calls the Doctor, she says that the ceasefire is over. Yep. Says that the Zygons are aware of every Zygon location on Earth. Yes. And whilst the Doctor's trying to process this information... There's like a gassy smoke grenade launched and the two young children the Doctor spoke to are kidnapped by other Zygons. Mm -hmm. They like throw throw them in the back of a car and drive off, don't they? They do, they do. Okay, so Osgood is then seen on television in like a typical like hostage video. Reading yeah. a list of demands from the Zygons. And okay. I, I think it's worth noting here, you've got like a, this symbol that the, the, the radicalised Zygons are using and it's on like a flag behind them with some presumably Zygon script. And the whole thing, it's not just any old hostage video. This is a very deliberate, considered... Uh, aping of the kind of videos you'd see coming from people who were taken hostage by ISIS. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's I mean, pretty the, on the nose. Yeah, the the parallels are pretty clear for all to see, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I was going to say, well, like the key themes of this episode are not just radicalization, but almost infiltration. Yeah. That mistrust. And then, you know, assuming how, everyone is your enemy. Yeah, and how how a small cohort of radicalised individuals uh, can jeopardise something like, you know, a, you know, asylum-seeking and, and refugees, you know, for, for, for the overwhelming majority who just want to live in peace, you know. And how 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 thorny a problem that is, and what I want to say at this point, if you don't mind me going off on a bit of a more broad discussion of that, but I've always been slightly in two minds about this kind of thing, where speculative fiction, be it science fiction or fantasy or something, uses an alien race or another species. You know, in the case of fantasy, like elves or dwarves or whatever and uses that as a an analogy for some kind of 
racial divide or something on from our own past or present on earth do you know what i mean like i think it's 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 a line you have to tread very very carefully when you when you're dealing with these kinds of themes and you your way of choosing an other to portray you know a capital o other when you when you when you make that some alien species or some fantasy race or something you have to be very careful and very cognizant of what you're doing and i've never quite made up my mind about this story and how it approaches that because i think it's certainly its heart is in the right place and it is not intending to offend anyone at all I don't for a second think that that's the intention. However, I could see how it would be very uncomfortable viewing for some people. Um, and I don't think there's an easy answer to that. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Matt. No, I mean, it, it put me in mind of District 9, the film. Yeah, yeah, that's another very good example. is... You know, set in South Africa and the parallels with, like, apartheid, where the aliens are sort of separated and forced into their communities. Yeah. Um, but, I I mean, I know this is perhaps, like, a really naive uh, viewpoint. Yeah. But if, if, if a child's watching this and they understand that it's wrong to ostracise the Zygons then yeah. hopefully they'll be able to carry that into their sort of everyday life in the real world. Yeah, yeah, that's the hope. And I totally think that's the intention of this story. You know, this is, this, this is, this story does try to make the explicit point that it's the, I don't know, you know, the, the a few bad apples thing. It's like they're not trying to say these, you know, the Zygons are monsters. It's a handful of them for various reasons fear are feeling victimized and threatened and are lashing out in a way which makes them come across as monsters um but but let's not forget later in the episode and i know this is jumping ahead yeah there is a human character yeah whose approach to everything is like let's just do a, z- a drone strike let's just yeah. nuke them let's just blow the fuck up yeah so you know it does highlight that it's not simply the Zygons are doing all the bad. There's a few bad Zygons, there's a few bad humans. I think what we really needed to to really cement it in this part would be just a scene or so more of, to get a better sense of the Zygons who are integrated and are living peacefully and who are as horrified as the humans are about what the radicalized Zygons are doing. Now, I, I, think I know this that's is that's something that's slightly lacking, and that's maybe just a time thing as much as anything. But I, I know this will be somewhat of a spoiler. Yeah. But one of the interesting thoughts I had, sort of going into the next episode, yeah, is is there a point in the story where the Zygons are exposed worldwide, and we see sort of and I I don't want to use the term necessarily, but like zygonophobia. Yeah, uh, it's certainly a direction that this story could go, isn't it? You know, mm. 
Um, so you know, I know that's quite a heavy theme for Doctor Who. No, but, but that's thought, that's I'd... one of the, that is one of the things that I think is most interesting about this story. And again, I think it's something that's we're starting to see as a hallmark of Peter Harness as a writer for Doctor Who is that he wants to take it to these difficult places. You look at what Kill the Moon was, and yes, it, you could argue it wasn't wholly successful, but it was an, an episode that is asking difficult questions and putting its characters in some very t- tight, tricky moral scenarios. Mm. So I think that's just what, it, what Peter Harness as a writer is drawn to. And I'm glad it's him writing this story. I think you, if you'd said to a different kind of writer, I don't know, someone with a bit more of a more flippant style, like Toby Whithouse or something, said, hey, can you write us a Zygon two-parter? I don't think we would have come away with something as as powerful and as pointed as what we are getting with this story. Mm. Well, things things got quite deep there, didn't they? Yeah, well, I think it's that's it's not, worth touching that's not on. Like I think, us. I, think uh, I I wanted to make sure that we had that chat about that, to be honest, because I think it is quite key to to understanding this story. Um, but uh, yeah, go on. Let's let's just uh, fart about for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I was going to say, should we just have a chat about biscuits, just to make sure the balance <laughs> is maintained? <laughs> right. Hold on. Where are we up to? Where are we up to? So we were up to Osgood. Reading the list of demands, weren't we? Yeah. So, when Clara returns home, because we don't really know where she's been. She's just been out and about on her bike, hasn't she? That's why she missed the doctor's calls. Yeah. Uh, So, she's going up to her flat. She bumps into a young man called Sandeep. Yeah, she no no longer lives in a Georgian mansion or whatever. (laughs) She's back in a a block of flats. (laughs) I don't know why. I mean, I guess uh, just I, uh, austerity kicking in. I reckon, in. like, Homeland Revenue have, like, <laughs> asked about, you know, seeing what's going on, like, on a teacher's wage. I mean, yeah, we do all right yeah. for ourselves, but I know which of those is more realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So she bumps into a young man called Sandeep on the stairwell whose parents yeah. have been missing. Yeah. So Clara says, don't worry, we'll, we'll find them, you know. Doesn't even care to knock, just lets herself into the flat. Yeah, and... presumably already familiar with, like, you know, chatty with that family. Yeah. And when she goes in, the parents are acting very odd. Yeah. And I suppose once you know where this episode goes, it's fairly obvious that they're Zygons. But, like, yes. at the time I was like, well, that's a bit that's a bit odd. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'll be totally honest, and maybe this, may, you know, says more about me than anything else. But I I wondered if they were going to do a parallel because obviously Sandeep's from like an Indian family. I yeah. wondered whether they were going to be like, oh, aren't aren't their behaviours so strange? And then at the yeah. end, everything's just all right anyway. Yeah, know? but fortunately, perhaps it, it, it doesn't go that direction. Yeah. No, we just see his parents like hoid him over their shoulders and walk <laughs> off and Clara just goes, yeah, all right, see ya. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for the first time in the episode, the Doctor, Clara and Unit all reunite. Yeah. And we get the explanation that there is a revolution, a radical revolution in a group of young Zygons. Mm-hmm. And they they basically just 
want to be acknowledged, don't they? They don't want to be hidden in plain sight as humans anymore. Yeah. They are Zygons. They want to be out and proud. proud. Yeah. 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 Which, on the okay. one hand, is, is understandable, but also that's kind of like, that wasn't the deal, and that's not how... And that's, you know, that's not how historically Zygons have operated. You know, they say that this is kind of their, their whole modus operandi, is going to other planets, integrating within those societies and, you know, taking those forms, which they're I not I bet doing. they wish they went to that planet of submissive guinea pigs instead. <laughs> you know, I, they'd have an easier time doctor, for sure I'd just be like right I've got a perfect solution for this <laughs> okay so they go to what they believe is the Zygon command centre like yep. Zygon HQ and the doctor accesses a computer yep. okay. and Kate Stewart like what? what's the perceived like what? How do the fandom feel about Kate Stewart? Like Pretty I know she's got u- universally like, a lineage, but like she just wants to bomb everything. She's like bombs Zygon HQ. Uh, so it's I mean to be fair, she... strategic bombing. But yeah, but this is again you know this is why this is why Unit is interesting and why the Brigadier was so interesting in that the Doctor generally advocate, advocates for non-violent solutions to problems but unit are inherently a militaristic organization mm. not afraid to send troops out with machine guns they're not afraid to uh bomb targets of strategic interest and and you know things like that like the brigadier was never gung ho about it per se but first and foremost, he was, you know, it was uh, what is the swiftest solution to protecting, you know, the world? And that's to kind of nip it in the bud. In And if that means blowing shit up, so be it. That was his attitude, you know. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't the- shoot first, ask questions later, but it was more like ask questions and make sure we won't have any repercussions if we shoot. <laughs> So, do you think her desire to bomb everything is why she gets sent to New Mexico as far away as possible? <laughs> uh, no, they bring up the whole, it's uh, truth or consequences, isn't it? The town yeah. in New Mexico. I forgot to Google this. Every time I watch a story, I think, I've got to Google that and make sure. Is that something they made up for the episode? Or was there really a town that renamed itself? Uh, due to a you know as like promotion for a quiz show, it's so right, specific well, that I feel like it's got to be real. Well, having quickly googled it, it is real. Oh, there you go. So I it's feel like that... abbrevi- It's often Sorry. abbreviated to either T or C, or sometimes yeah. just called Talk. Talk. Yeah. Okay. It's so... a pretty cool name for a town, to be fair. Named itself after a radio show. I feel like that must be something that Peter Harness just stumbled across one day in a book or on, on, you know, on his travels on the internet. So he was like, I'm going to do something with that one day and just found found an excuse to work it into this script. 
Yeah, it's it's the sort of thing where just like, oh, that's interesting. I can use that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so Kate gets sent there. Yep. The doctor is going to go to Turkmenistan. Yeah. So, is it because these are where there's like Zygon hotspots? Yes, basically. Like HQs. Yeah. So Clara, along with Jack, who we haven't really mentioned, but she works for Unit. Yeah, we uh, saw her in uh, the. We saw her in uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Magician's Apprentice as well. Yeah. Yeah. So she's 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 generally she's kind of I I don't know if it's made explicit, but I I get the impression that she's basically taken on Osgood's role since Osgood has gone. AWOL. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where are we? So, we find out that Kate Stewart has a Zygon nerve gas that she can use just to tank all the Zygons if necessary, but it's been confiscated by the Doctor. Yes. Okay. So, before they can defend Britain, Clara says to Jack, is it okay if we just go to my house for a bit? I just need to pick a few things up. If I'm yep. going to be busy saving the world. And when they do, they just see Sandeep's parents, this time hiding a body. Yeah. That's not at all suspicious. Okay. But when they go in the elevator themselves, it's empty. Mm-hmm. So her, so Clara and Jack begin to chase the parents, sort of in the elevator, see where it is they're going. But the lift controls are just full of goo. Yeah. It's pretty grim, isn't it, that bit? It is. It is. One of the things I like about this story is just how gross all the Zygon technology is. Mm. It's just basically put your hand in a bucket of yeah. slime and see what I think, happens. have we missed the line of, of, of Peter Capaldi saying, uh, with the like Zygon supercomputer, where he just says, you've got to titivate yeah. the fronds. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. I think that might be a quote from... Uh, the original uh, Terror of the Zygons. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. It's a long time since I watched that one, but uh, yeah, titivate the fronds is a good line either way. I know, but it's pretty like... It's better than just saying stick your hand in and give it a tickle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So the lift goes down to the basement and the Doctor... On his way to Turmesistan, meets Colonel Walsh. Yeah. Who's played by Rebecca Front. I think she's pretty good this episode. She is. I, I would say I, I would put her in, in, in the category of good comedic actors who are entirely wasted in their particular Doctor Who cameos. Yeah. Because she's in this like, for about all of six minutes, isn't she's she? She's in, in, in this for six minutes and... It's a very one-note character. She's the character we refer to her who just wants, basically just wants to blow shit up and, you know, just kind of treat every Zygon as a threat. And an important character in the overall points the story is making, but and as good as Rebecca Front is, I just feel like, oh, I would have liked her to play a character with a bit more colour and a bit more depth. To be honest, I think she'd be a good doctor. 
you know. Wow, there's a big claim. I don't think I it can't is. Wait. I... I can't wait until she's cast as the Doctor, and then we get a full series of her, like, going, why did I choose this face? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm the Doctor that drone strikes everything, and then the rest of the series is, like, fucking Call of Duty. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, there, she's there. We haven't mentioned as well, one of my favourite lines is when, uh, you know, the, the Doctor asks if they still got the presidential plane, you know, that was referenced in uh, Dark Water and Death in Heaven. And Clara's like, oh, but I, I thought you didn't like being president of the world. He says, no, but I like poncing around in a big plane. Yeah. yeah. One of my favourite lines of the episode. Well, that's it, because I suppose he could just go in the TARDIS, but just... He could, but to. yeah, it's fun to have yeah, a have a ride in a fancy plane, isn't it? It's not like the world's at stake whilst he just pumps in about in a fancy plane. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, like we say, she orders a drone strike on the town, but one of her subordinates, a bot, refuses to kill off this Saigon uh, faction just yep. in case there's the chance that they are human. Not specifically human, but her family. Yeah. It's, they have assumed the faces of her husband and child. I don't know. Would you do it? No. Absolutely not. I couldn't. Not for a second. And I think people t- sometimes... Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it more, I think, with the, the, the church scene. But... Some people, I think, are sometimes very uncharitable towards the actions of the characters in, in both of these scenes. And I think it's very, very easy to argue that from a position of not actually having been presented with that as a reality. Yeah. I don't think anyone... Uh, it, you, I can't conceive of a, of, of a situation in which I would feel comfortable pulling the trigger on someone with the faces of my loved ones. Okay, so I'm just going to write you out of my Peter from Unit fan fiction. <laughs> Where there is David the gun-toting office worker. Yes, yeah. Right, so Kate Stewart then lands in New Mexico where a policewoman with a gun accosts her. Yeah. Okay, and... We see here that not only are the Zygons perhaps anti-human, but specifically they really don't like the British. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So We'll come back to that. Even though they're sort of living in New Mexico, it's because, is it that unit are watching over them and sort of in control I think it, of them? I think it's because... They were, so I think my understanding is uh, the original Zygon settlers all settled in the UK specifically and took the form of British people. Uh, But some of them then went over to live in this town in New Mexico and trouble started. And so it became, you know... British became the scapegoat because they didn't at that stage know they were all a bunch of shape-shifting aliens. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better to be safe than sorry, isn't it? 
Just keep everyone out. Okay. So, Jack then reports the strange lift activity to Clara, who's back at HQ. So, they're yeah. investigating with a bit more detail now. Okay, see what's going on there. Yeah. And the police lady that she's bumped into tells Kate Stewart of the Zygon activity. Sort of the history of the Zygons in New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, whilst this is happening, the Doctor enters the Zygon-occupied village in Turmenistan, or Turmesistan, wherever it is. Yeah. Okay. And there's 30 minutes until the drone strike. So he's trying to broker a peace before this strike happens. Yes. The Zygons are hiding in the church of the village, and as the military approach, a mid-aged woman appears, who is yeah. the mother of... One of the commanding soldiers. Mm. So, not Colonel Walsh, but sort of her second in command. Yeah. So, okay. we get this whole scene. I think it's a little drawn out. This is my biggest criticism of the episode. I don't yeah, think the premise whole... of the scene is bad. But it does go on a bit where it's like, shoot them! No, don't shoot me, I'm your mum. Yeah, on yeah. On it does. It just goes on a little bit too long, and it gives you a little too much thinking time as an audience member to be like, "Oh, come on, they're, they're obviously Zygons." But but kind of the point is that they are obviously Zygons, and yet if you were in their shoes, you wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter that she can't remember the name of his teddy bear. Of course, you know, it's it's not inconceivable. It's unlikely. Like, there is no evidence to suggest that she really is his mum. But... Yeah, but it's, it's a high-pressure situation, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So it's it's understandable. But I just think if it, was a, if it was done a little bit tighter, a little bit quicker, you'd have less time as an audience member to get sick of, of the idiots for, for not just ending it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of... Because it's a, a common criticism of this episode is that, oh, they just come across as really stupid for being taken in by these icons. And I just think that really... That's a, that's a directorial error more than anything. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that maybe, with it being a two-parter... Generally speaking, I like the breathing space that you get from a two-parter. But in this part in particular, I think there are a couple of moments, this being one of them, where it does drag it just a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I would second that, I would say. Yeah. So, the mother of the second-in-command says that she isn't a Zygon, but actually the unit commander's of the Zygon, commanding the soldiers to kill the human counterparts. She yeah. says, we're not hostages, this town is a prison. And if you enter the church, okay, we promise that we'll be able to show irrefutable proof of that. Yeah. And of course, when they enter the church, turns out they are Zygons and all the humans are executed. Yeah, all zapped. We haven't mentioned that when the Zygons are executing people, they've just left little piles of electric dust. Yeah, little kind of like candy floss. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, I don't dislike it, because that's kind of part of the whole vibe of Zygons, is that they are just really weird. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, Colonel Walsh then says the Doctor has ten minutes to find Osgood before they bomb the town. So, we haven't really mentioned, but the whole reason the Doctor is there is to find Osgood because she is a representation of the peace. Yes. If she dies, then there is no hope for the peace to be yeah. broken. Yeah. Okay. So she's chained up in the church basement. Yeah. And once the doctor rescues her, she says, well, this was all just a distraction to get you out of the UK. Yeah. Okay. So back with Kate Stewart in New Mexico, the policewoman shows her the remains of zapped people. And there's just like four massive wheelie bins full of dead people, isn't there? Yeah, it's pretty grim. Yeah. I mean, sounds like a job for our friend Peter at UNIT. Yeah, definitely. Organised refuge and sanitation to go around sweeping up dead people. Yeah. But we've got, we've, got to, we've got to get them to sign some NDCs first, though. Yeah. So, back in the Oh, UK, no, so it's not NDCs, it's NDAs, is what I meant to say. NDAs. Yeah. yeah. So, back in the UK, Clara and Jack are investigating the underground goings-on. Okay. And the Doctor... It's back on, I've just called it Air Force One, because that's basically what it is. It's big airplane. Yeah. yeah. And he's taken a Zygon hostage. Okay. Yeah. So we get a little bit of interaction here between mm-hmm. Osgood and the Doctor, where he says, oh, I see you wearing question marks. And when she says, why don't you wear them anymore? He says, oh, I've got question mark boxer shorts. Okay. Yeah. And she says, well, ooh, what's the question? Now... When I listened to Married to Who, they said the question is, does the Doctor have two dicks? <laughs> so, I'm going to put a slight slant on that. I think the yeah. question is that the Doctor poops out the front and pees out the back. Oh, could be. Or, much like a bird, the Doctor just has a cloaca. Right, just, just sing- gets it all done with a single hull. Just a single orifice. Yeah. He just goes in the bathroom... And just blasts it. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. So many questions. Mm. Maybe if he's got two hearts, he's got two buttholes as well. Could who, knows? who knows? Who knows what he's got two of? Maybe he's got two anyway. belly buttons. Ah. Oh. And six nipples, three on each side like a cat. <laughs> Anyway, moving on from the Doctor's Yeah, I was just seeing how long I could drag that out until you got sick of it. Yeah. I could tell early on you weren't keen on talking about that. Yeah. Uh, so, Osgood, again, this is where she gives her little speech about she is the peace. She's yeah. the human and Zygon hybrid. And Clara... Uh, so we're sort of flicking backwards and forwards between the three scenes here. So, yeah. Clara and Jack find a Zygon hatchery. Yeah. Or at least that's what, well, what Clara believes it to be. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor on board his plane, questioning the Zygon, and the Zygon says they want the world. Okay? So, it's not just what we mentioned earlier about sort of acceptance and being visible. Yeah. This is... An invasion. This is a yeah. takeover. Yeah, they they they've kind of they've they've had it with these humans. They they want a Zygon world. Mm-hmm. So, 
in the hatchery, Clara says, oh, we must neutralise this before they hatch. But when we look into one of the pods, we see that Clara is inside. Mm -hmm. And it turns out Clara is a Zygon all along. Ho ho! Did went... you see it coming? Uh, no, not really. Not until this point. Yeah. Okay. But when she was in Sandeep's flat, it makes sense now when you see it back. Yeah. And yeah. she questioned what was going on. Why were the parents acting so odd? It was because they were Zygons and she gets taken over by a Zygon. So the body being moved out of the flat was Clara. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like the change. I like the change in, in Jenna Coleman's performance the moment she's rumbled. Mm. Like it's I think such she does a... very, very well playing two characters with the same face. It's easy for that to get cheesy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, she gets she gets the level just right. And again, this reveal makes this episode really fun on a rewatch. Mm. Um, like when you know the clues, when you know what's exactly being hinted at. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out Zygon Clara is called Bonnie. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. At first, I was like, why have they given it another name? But I suppose it is a totally separate organism, isn't it? It's just it is, Clara's yeah. face. Yeah. Okay, so the Zygon tells the Doctor on board Air Force One that they don't want to hide. And lo and behold, the policewoman who's been with Kate Stewart all this time is also a Zygon. Yeah. Okay. So Clara calls Kate Stewart, who answers, and... Clara basically says, look, the deed is done in... L Sorry, it's not Clara, is it? It's Bonnie, who says, yeah. the deed is done in London. And yeah. Kate Stewart says, you know, oh, well, don't worry, New Mexico's secure. So I'm going to make a prediction. I don't think that Kate Stewart in New Mexico is Zygond. I think that's real Kate Stewart. Oh, okay. Play playing a bit of a bluff. Mm, maybe. Okay. Hard to say, isn't it? Okay, so Bonnie confirms unit has fallen. It's a little mm -hmm. bit like Captain America Winter Soldier, isn't it? All that Hail Hydra business. Yeah, and there's a touch of that. Then the shot pans out and Bonnie's just stood on a cliffside with an RPG pointed at the Doctor's plane. And the yeah. episode ends with her blowing the Doctor out the sky. Yeah. Uh, good cliffhanger. Yeah. I, I think. Do you want... Another prediction, I think the Doctor's going to blow out of the plane. I think he's going to fall to the Earth into the TARDIS. I reckon the TARDIS was on board, even though I can't remember seeing it. And uh -huh. he's going to zip about and save everyone on the plane that's fallen uh, to the Earth. Interesting prediction. We'll yeah. see what happens everyone next week. Everyone knows cliffhangers don't mean anything in Doctor Who. <laughs> no, I think you'll find that the, the Doctor and Osgood are definitely dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I've already seen 100%. one dead Osgood, and it turns out there was two. <laughs> yeah, they had a backup all the time. Yeah. Um, so we haven't really discussed up top, but I saw we'll end with it. We're halfway through the story, but at this point, are you are you able to nail your colours to the mast and say if the Zygon invasion is a good episode or a bad episode of Doctor Who? Um, I I think on the whole, I'd I'd either opt for good episode or good episode some bad bits. Yeah. Um, because the bits I don't like are probably the bits you really like. I mean, it's 
no secret, I don't like Osgood. Um, Are you just playing that up at this point? Or do you genuinely still dislike Osgood? No, like, I, I, I suppose I dislike the fact that everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's Osgood, she's so great. And I just find her so boring. Like, I get it. I get that she's a typical Doctor Who fan written in for Doctor Who fans. But, like, other than being part Zygon, what what is her character about? She's really like, I know smart. She... Yeah, but, like, we, we've hundreds of characters in Doctor Who who are really smart. Yeah, and she's a really cool one. Is she? Yes. Yes, she I know is, she likes. Matt. I know she likes the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're only saying that because we had to stop our recording so you could use your inhaler. <laughs> I, like, maybe you just relate to her on a different level to me. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do relate to Osgood on some levels, and I think that is part of it with Doctor Who fans, and it's an intentional part of the character. But If, if, if it was Sophie's yeah. choice, okay, I'm stood behind them, I've got a gun to both their heads, and you had to choose Osgood or Rory, who are you choosing? Oh, don't make me... St- don't make me do that, Matt. Go on. Because uh, if so, it was me, I'd, I'd be ringing the Undertaker. Okay. Going, yeah, it's spelled O-S-G-O-O-D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you taking? Uh, are you saying that in 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 the sense of one of them is is removed from the history of Doctor Who? Like, you know, no, I can no, only no. have it, one of those just, characters. Y- yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to so say... I, I, I've I, teamed up with the Master. I've gone back yeah. in time to before Rory was involved with the Doctor or Osgood was yeah. involved with the Unit, okay? So their entire story would be written out. Okay. Okay? You this... would never have those characters. Okay, so this is really hard for me because I would say in both with both of those characters... They're not necessarily essential to, to to the stories, but they add so much more to them. So, like, you can have Unit without Osgood, but I think Unit with Osgood is so much better. Because if you think about Unit without Osgood, it's like, you, what do you have? Uh, Freaking Lee Evans in that one David Tennant special and stuff like that. You know, Osgood is a much, much better version of that kind of character. Um, and in the case of Rory, I don't think I could deal with Amy without Rory. Mm-hmm. I think I would find Amy a much more annoying character if I didn't have Rory to kind of act as a counterweight, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, neat. Need I remind you, I really didn't like Amy's first series till Rory came along. Exactly, yeah. So, so I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to save Rory. Right. Okay. And also because in Modern Who he's he's like up until this point of what we've watched, you know, probably the only real major male companion we've had as well. Yeah. Now that you've said it, um, I mean, what. I suppose he probably supersedes Mickey, doesn't he? Yeah, Mickey Mickey does not really count as far as I'm concerned as a proper okay. companion. 
Maybe that can be another new feature we had, a really grim version of Sophie's Johnson. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. Let, let's let's yeah. maybe just leave that as a one-off. But, but yeah, so um, there we are. We're ending on a cliffhanger. Are you excited for next week? Uh, a little bit. I, um, yeah? I, like I say, I'd, I, I think I'd be very interested in the plot being this revelation that Zygons live amongst us and seeing what humanity's response to that is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if it's just going to be like the Doctor running around shooting, uh, I, I think there's a lot of potential with this. I, yeah, I yeah. It's, it's disappointed. Well, fingers crossed, eh, listeners? Fingers crossed that the Zygon inversion lives up to uh, Matt's expectations. Uh, but until then... Thank you very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.